Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. Special shout out and thank you to Newsstand Studio here at Rock Center in New York City. This is week seven of the That's What He Said series. We only have one more after this week, so I hope you're enjoying it. This series is brought to you by our Patreon community at patreon.com slash the refined collective. Now, what is Patreon? I am so very glad you asked. Patreon is an online platform that allows you to financially support the podcasts that you love. Like, say, I don't know, this podcast? You can support the Refined Collective podcast for as little as $5 a month. Your contribution helps us getting fresh, new, edited content out there on a weekly basis. So I would love to invite you to join our community, link arms with us, and the community of people that help make this podcast a reality. Again, you can go to patreon.com slash the refined collective to learn more and join today. Now, last week on the That's What He Said series, we had Pastor Ben Stewart answering the age-old question of, where are all the godly men? Like, Are they for real hiding out or what? Is there a secret code? Yeah, he's talking about that. And also I asked him, can men and women really be just friends? You might be interested to hear what he has to say. So if you haven't listened, be sure and check it out after this episode. Now on to this week, we have Tim Timberlake talking about how to know if a guy is into you. He's the pastor of Christian Faith Center in North Carolina and has been married to his wife, Jen, for over five years, and they have the cutest son. His name is Maxwell Ace Timberlake. Now, if that isn't a bomb name, I don't know what is. Like, I just see that name on an album cover one day. Anyways... Tim Timberlake calls himself a Christian first, a husband second, a father third, and then he's a pastor. He has a heart of gold, and I cannot wait for you to hear what he has to say about dating. Welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and this week I'm continuing my conversations with amazing godly men all over the United States answering the top questions that you have sent me over the last six months. and. I don't know if you are enjoying this series, but I am just learning so much and being so challenged by these men. And I am so excited to have one of my friends and brothers in Christ with me today on the podcast, Tim Timberlake, pastor of Christian Faith Center in North Carolina. Come on, raise up. What's up, Tim? (laughs) What's going on, Kat? How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Honored to be on the podcast this week. I'm so happy to have you. And it's honestly impossible for me to say North Carolina without saying, come on, raise up. Oh, man. The young Petey Pablo shout out. (laughs) Does it it age me? (laughs) No, it doesn't age you, but it definitely ages North Carolina for sure. (laughs) How many people when you say you're from North Carolina say that? Or is it just like me being annoying? (laughs) No, it, it, it happens very often, but it is often um, quickly overlooked by my last name. I get more Are You Related to Justin Timberlakes than I do Pity Pablo quotes, for sure. Okay, so let's clear this up once and for all. Is Justin Timberlake your brother? He's not my brother, but he is my third cousin. That is... Wait, are you serious? No, I'm just joking. I was just about to ask you, this conversation was about to take a whole <laughs> other turn. I was, about to, I was about to ask you a lot of questions. But somewhere down the line, we are related. That is that is a fact. That is true. That's so amazing. Now, okay, tell me a little bit about your life right now. You have a young kiddo in your life right now. And how's what's your life look like on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so it just varies week, week to week. So me and my wife, Jen, we have a two-year-old young man. His name is Maxwell Ace Timberlake. Uh, Me and my wife have been uh, married going on uh, five years now, and we pastor a pretty amazing church in Creedmoor, North Carolina called Christian Faith Center, or as we like to call it, CFC. On top of that, uh, I have the privilege of traveling pretty much all around the world and proclaiming how great and awesome Jesus is to um, people. And so that pretty much is the short scope of 
what my life looks like. And I think it's pretty awesome. And so one of the things that I like to tell people um, when they ask, what do I do or who I am? I tell them I'm a Christian first. I'm a husband second. I'm a father third. And then I'm a pastor. Mm. And that's um, the scope of my life. And that's how I would uh, think that God would look at me and what he's called me to do. I love that. You're even despite, I feel like our words are so powerful and saying like that, those things in that order, it really sends, it sends a message first to yourself. Like you're speaking like first and foremost, I'm a child of God. And like you're speaking your priorities to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really respect that. Cause I feel like the first thing people say is, well, here, Oh, who are you? Well, this is what I do. Right. Like as if my job defines who I am. Absolutely. And oftentimes, if we're not careful, we find our identities in our occupations. Mm -hmm. And really, at the core of who we are, it's who we're becoming, not what we we do. Mm. Thanks so much for sharing that. I'm so excited for people to get to know a little bit more about you before we jump into these questions, um, because you have such a unique love story. And so I just want to kind of give you the space to share your love story, your marriage, where you're coming from. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So I'm 35 now. As I mentioned, me and my wife have been married going on five years and I know some of you listeners may be thinking, man, he stayed single until he was 30. And I wish that was the case, but that is not the case. I was um, married at 20 years old in my first marriage, and it did not work out for various reasons. But one of the reasons being, at the time, my wife was just not ready to be married and to commit for years to a lifelong relationship with me. And so I had to gracefully bow out of that after six years and found myself suddenly single. And my mindset was, I would rather be single than settle. And I think a lot of times people are stuck in relationships just for the status of it versus what um, they know their worth and what they could invest into someone else. And marriage to me is finding someone that you don't mind making sacrifice for, for the rest of your life and vice versa. And so when I found myself single, I just realized, you know, I'm worth more than settling. And if you're in that situation as a listener, you just have to remind yourself of your worth and what God has called you to. And, you know, just be patient for the person that God brings into your life because it's better than manufacturing something that you desire. Mm. And so uh, I stayed faithfully single for um, probably four years and not looking to get in a relationship and really just kind of healing from my past marriage and finding myself regaining confidence and getting comfortable again in my own skin. And I was at a conference in New York and I was meeting with Um, My publicist at the time, I had a book coming out, and this particular conference, this pastor invited me to while I was in the city and went there and ended up running into now my wife at this conference and just kind of met her and her sister and thought to myself, man, this is a really uh, cool woman. And the thing that I admired about her is how she carried herself. She wasn't necessarily looking for anything outside of a friendship. And I wasn't necessarily looking for anything outside of a friendship. And uh, we just built on that friendship and that friendship uh, became a relationship where we began to fall in love with each other. And because I was leading and and stewarding people um, at the church that I pastored, I could not commit to a title of boyfriend and girlfriend unless I knew I was going to marry her. Mm-hmm. And so I really kind of leaned into uh, what God was leading me to do, um, especially coming out of divorce. Um, whenever you lead people, every decision that you make uh, could be detrimental to the people that follow you towards Christ. And mm-hmm. so I just didn't want to be the leader that kind of led people on this roller coaster of my life, up and down, up and down, dating um, and calling multiple women, my girlfriend. So I needed to be very sure 
that um, whoever I uh, was courting and dating, that they had the highest potential of being my wife. And and I, I really felt like Jen was my wife. And so um, we kind of moved straight from relationship of friends to being engaged. And I, I, I knew, like, man, this is who God wants me with. And so the question that really just kind of resonated with me as it concerned my wife that I got while I was praying and, and I was just kind of asking God, God, you know, is, is she the one? Is this going to be my wife? Are we going to create something special uh, together for the body of Christ and for your kingdom? And he said, well, I'll ask you like this. How would you feel seeing her with someone else? Mm. And and it made me feel like crap. You know what I'm saying? Just the thought of it. And so I knew like if it made me feel like that to see her with someone else and I didn't want that to ever happen. And so uh, I ended up proposing and we ended up getting married and the rest is history. We have created uh, the most amazing little man and are creating a great future. And um, God is using our relationship to help other relationships across the world. And so mm-hmm. that's a little bit of my story and, you know, there is hope for divorcees. There are hopes for single parents. And, um, you know, you are not uh, in a position where you're not wanted. Um, you are wanted and you are loved. Mm-hmm. And, and God definitely has his perfect choice for you, mm-hmm. even though the first situation may not have worked out. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've come to learn, Kat, uh, just kind of going down this bunny trail. Mm-hmm. Go for you, it. You can absolutely be married. To God's perfect choice, right? But if both people aren't pursuing God, then that quickly changes. Mm. And so, you know, I get the question all the time, well, I thought I married God's perfect choice for my life. And and you absolutely could be right. Yeah. But we change and our lives change and our decisions change over time. So statistics say that our taste, our style, our mindsets change every three years. And so if we're not constantly changing together as a couple, and if we're not constantly leaning into the voice of Jesus to lead us and to be the bonding glue for our marriage, then we just change in different ways. So how do you, I mean, I've seen that happen. I'm I'm single. I'm turning 34 this summer and I've been a bridesmaid 18 times. So I think I'm going to get some special treasures in heaven. <laughs> But I've walked like as as I've been a bridesmaid that many times, I've also been a wedding photographer for 10 years Mm -hmm. and I've gotten to see be at the wedding, see the relationships unfold and see some of the most unexpected relationships break down. And it's been, especially in my community stuff like, man, you never thought this couple would be having trouble or like, oh my gosh, like they're going through something like what it's, it's been shocking at times. Um, And I think one of the reasons why it's been shocking as a single person is because so many married people don't talk about there's a problem until like the house is burnt down and there's like no chance for restoration. So my question to you in that, as you, you've kind of gone through these scenarios and these two big relationships, how do you protect your relationship and marriage from what you're talking about? Like, yeah, how do you grow together? How do you fight for that? Because we are all going to change. And like, like, how do you protect that marriage from like, all right, we're just going down separate paths now? Yeah, I think that open lines of communication are vital to any relationship. And I think at the core of a relationship, it has to be a healthy friendship. And mm-hmm. so um, when you're changing, and we all will change, I think just communicate the change that you're going through or your new likes or your new needs. And so one of the things that I've found helpful to me is every want that I have normally is leading me towards my flesh. And mm-hmm. so every every time the enemy wants to trip us up, it's normally in the area of our wants. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of why David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I have no wants. Mm-hmm. And God never says he gives us what we want. He always says he gives us or supplies all of our needs. Mm-hmm. 
And so, you know, I think if we can protect what we want, I think we can really protect our relationship. And so I believe that God wants to grant us what we need. And that's why sometimes people end up with with people that does not necessarily fit the criteria of what they wanted in the looks department, but they find a great spouse and what they need. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you ever seen somebody, a couple, and you're like, whoa, how in the world did he wind up with her? He does not look <laughs> like they fit or or vice versa. How did she get him? Or, mm-hmm. you know, you see these odd looking couples and mm-hmm. it, it may not necessarily have been what they wanted, but it's absolutely what they needed. And yeah. so, you know, when we lean into that promise and when we lean into that word from God, um, then it allows us to have some type of realistic expectations mm-hmm. because we don't get let down by what happens to us. We get let down by what we expect it not to happen to us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that that kind of you know, scale for me has been healthy. It's been beneficial and it's been realistic to just communicate my changes um, and and really be open and honest with my best friend and say, Hey, this is kind of what I am wanting now. I know it may not be right. And I know it may be my flesh, but I just have to tell you so that I'm accountable and and we can talk about what's realistic and, and what's not. And so I think early on, as you, kind of get serious in a relationship and as you begin to have those talks about marriage um, that you communicate what those changes look like you know what those changes are feeling like so that it's no uh, hitting secrets and then just invite Jesus into it because he's the bonding agent for every relationship he's the bonding agent for every marriage and I think a lot of times we think we can strengthen our own marriage and we can make our own relationships better by the knowledge or wisdom that we have. But, you know, it's difficult trying to bring two people into becoming one without Jesus. Yeah. Not impossible, but very difficult. Yeah, I hear that. I would definitely agree with that. And kind of going back to, I'm like hearing this like theme underneath some of what you're talking about. And I'm curious about, okay, you know, like people talk about the list, like, here's what I want in Mm -hmm. the person I'm dating. Here's what I want in the person that I'm married to. And I'm curious, is what you were looking for the first time around different than what you looked for before, than what you were looking for when you met Jen? Like, and what do you think about the list? And what what do you think that as women we should be looking for? Yeah, definitely. So my list at 20 is completely different than my list at 30. My priorities have changed. My My mindset has changed. I have a different outlook on life. And once you um, have been in a relationship that does not work out on any level, You may not necessarily know all the things that you want, but you definitely know all the things you don't want. Mm. And so, you know, you just have to be mindful of that and in in creating your list. And and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't don't have a list of things that you desire. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you have to guard your heart and make sure that the list is not riddled with things that you want that don't align with what Jesus wants for you. Yeah. And so at at 20, my list was a lot more of things that I wanted uh, versus what now, in hindsight, I know God wanted for me. And so what would be an example of like what, like if you could say, here's three things that as a woman you should be looking for. Three things as a woman, I would say the, the most important thing is man, make sure he's pursuing Jesus. You know, that's the that's the most important thing because if he's pursuing Jesus, he does not look at you first as his spouse or as his girlfriend. He looks at you first as a daughter. And it's something that's uh, revolutionary about me looking at my wife as a daughter of God first before I look at her as uh, my wife. You know what I'm saying? Because there, there are going to be times where I have to remember and I have to recall, oh, man, the way that I respond uh, is important because I know that her father is listening to the conversation. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and so if that person is pursuing Jesus, then a lot of the unnecessary hangups and hiccups in a relationship uh, could be avoided. Mm-hmm. The second thing I think that you you definitely need to be attracted to the person, mm-hmm. you know, uh, at some point, you know, attraction doesn't always last, but it, it is great to be attracted to something about the person that you're pursuing. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing that I would suggest is make sure that there's some common ground. And what do you mean by common ground? Common ground is some some love interests. You know, you guys enjoy doing something so that um, as you continue to change or as you continue to evolve, um, the foundation of your relationship doesn't get too shaky because mm-hmm. um, at your core, you all have some things in common, such yeah. as me and my wife, we love uh, sports, you know, that was one of the things that really uh, was kind of a bonding agent for us. And so mm-hmm. um, no matter how much we change, we know some of the things that will not change about us is our love for football, our love for basketball or um, soccer, you know, just just sports in general. We are big sports fans. And so, um, you know, just having some common ground areas that you can always uh, rely on to be conversation starters, to be binding agents, to be um, things that uh, you can include in your activities uh, for things to do as far as um, bringing you all closer as as a couple. Yeah, I think that is. I'm so glad that you touched on both of those. Like, I was I was making a note. So what what does he think about physical attraction? And I think we can like hide behind the spirituality of like, all oh, like I just want him to love God. Like that's the most important <laughs> thing. And yeah, that's important. But I think it is biblical to be sexually attracted to your spouse. All you have to do is read Song of Solomon. Absolutely. Um, and even, I love what you said about common grounds. Like um, one of my old pastors when I lived in LA, Erwin, Erwin McManus, he used to say, who's the person you want to be with for the other 23 hours of the day? And he's like, let's say like, let's say sex takes an hour. And he's like, we all know it doesn't take that long. Right. <laughs> let's just say like that is one hour. And on average people, married couples have sex three times a week. Right. So you're so many of us as single people and we're not admitting this as Christians because we're like, oh no, all I care about is that he loves God, but we're not giving a person a chance or really getting to know them because that physical attraction is the number one thing, even though we, it's like a secret number one. <laughs> and he's like, so who's the person you want to be with for the rest of the day? Make sure that's someone that you like being around. That Absolutely. you talk about things with, that you share common interests. And I remember hearing that and I was, I, to me, I was like, whoa, I can't believe he's saying this. Like, but the older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, like, how do you like to rest? Like, how do you like to spend your free time? What, what do you like to do outside of work? Because that's the time when you're going to be spending together. And I think for a long time, I was like, is that like good advice? But I'm like, yeah, that is really great advice. Like, yes, love God, like sexual attraction. Yeah, that's just that's a that's what makes the difference between a friend and a a, a boyfriend, girlfriend or spouse. And um, I love that you said the common ground. I think that's I think that's super helpful because I think it's just really easy, especially in faith communities to hide behind like this one thing, like, well, do we share the same faith? But then it's like, we have all these secret goals that we're not telling people. But then I'm like, well, if all we really cared about is does he love God, then 80% of my church wouldn't be single. Absolutely. And and I think, you know, God wants his best for you. He like, he knows the desires of your heart. Right. And so you just can't allow those desires to get unhealthy Mm -hmm. to where the focus is all attractional. Mm Mm-hmm. It can't just be all attraction. It has to be some substance there. And so, you know, God will absolutely let you um, get into a relationship that is not his perfect choice, you know, and and it will become his permissive choice, you know, And, and it may or may not work out. But just know, like, God's plan for your relationship is better than your plan for your relationship. And so he desires to protect you and your heart 
by always regulating it with his presence. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we push through that with what we desire to see in a person or what we desire that person to look like or how we desire them to, to dress more than we do on the, on the substance of a man or on a, of a woman. And so, you know, the thing that I just have to remind people in pursuit of a relationship and potential spouse of is over the years, the longer that you're with a person, the attraction will change. Like you'll get attracted to different things about your spouse. So it may not be the way that your spouse looks 50 years after you marry them because mm-hmm. things begin to drop, stuff begins to sag, <laughs> you know, wrinkles <laughs> begin to pop up all over the place. And so the attraction begins to shift now from an outward appearance to now conversations, or you can be attracted to someone's thought process or their mind, you know? And so attraction is definitely important, but it's not the most important thing mm-hmm. in, in a marriage or a relationship. And so at the core of it, you just have to make sure that Jesus is at the forefront of what you do and he's leading you in the right direction. All right. Over the last few weeks, we've been diving into some pretty real conversations about dating and singleness and what it is to be a single person in today's culture. And I don't know about you, but it can be tough to navigate sometimes. And you might not feel comfortable DMing me or commenting on an Instagram post your questions about dating, singleness, or your specific situation that you're going through right now with someone online or a person you're dating. So because of that, I created a private Facebook group just for my single ladies out there. It's bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash T-R-W dash single ladies for all my single ladies who want to walk through this season of singleness and dating with intentionality, who want to have other women who are going through a similar season of their lives. I have over a thousand women in this group who are active on a weekly and daily basis, asking questions, supporting one another, encouraging each other through whatever dating dynamics they're going through. Also, I join the group every single week to offer coaching and dating advice just for you, personalized to answer your specific questions. So join us if you are a single lady, bit.ly slash TRW dash single ladies. And I would love to invite you into our private community for single ladies. Tim, why do you think, and I don't, I don't know what it's like in your community, um, but why do you think so many people in our generation are single and and they want to be in a relationship. But like I said, 80% of my church is single. And I think that is getting more and more common. Why do you think that is happening? Well, I think we are seeing a larger population of people who are very selfish and are so focused and concentrated on themselves that they really don't know how to make sacrifices for other people. Mm. And so even before you find your spouse, you have to have made up in your mind that you're going to make sacrifices for people in general. And I think that God rewards that that heart, that mindset. Mm. You know, and as it concerns a relationship, a lot of people don't view relationships as serving someone else. We view relationships as to what we want to get out of it. And so, you know, when that's the mindset, when it doesn't work the way that we expect it to, we look for the door. And so I think in our generation, we're just not accustomed to um, saying, you know what, I want this person to win more than I want to win in this relationship. And if both people have that mindset, then the relationship works. But a lot of times I'm finding that in a relationship, people just want what they want. And they, they really have very little desire to push the person that they're either dating or engaged to or married to above their personal wants and needs. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, we base our friends off of who likes us on social media, how many likes we get. Um, You know, our definition of relationships um, is a little different than 
the generation that went before us. And so, you know, I just think we have to be careful to not push our agenda and our wants before the needs of the person that we are pursuing. Yeah. I hear that, man. And I think, I mean, we're, we're the product of a generation that was told we have limitless possibility. You Absolutely. can be whatever you want to be. The sky is the limit. And what I experience in that is um, a decision paralysis. I see it in relationships. I see it in careers. It's like no one can pick a lane because there's a, a million options. And so you can't just pick one. And um, so I've wondered if that is part of what's kind of going on. And then I've thought so much about what you said. Um, we don't know how to commit. Yeah. And I've been wondering, and I'm curious what you think about this. How can we practice sacrifice and commitment as single people? Because really nothing in our lives sets us up for that. We're taught instant gratification. We're taught filter the image, like go for the likes. We're taught if you don't like living with that roommate, why don't you just live by yourself? Cause you're a grown up, or get a new friend. Or if that person starts annoying you, well then you can just not hang out with them as much. And I'm just so curious because I, I want to be in a committed relationship and I'm like, God, how can I practice commitment? And showing up because I feel like so, so much of what marriage is, is love is a choice and I am choosing you and I'm choosing to show up to this marriage. I'm choosing to communicate with you. I'm choosing to put our relationship above other relationships. And there doesn't seem to be any other relationship in our lives that can really set us up for that besides our family relationship. But Typically, outside of high school and college, we're not living with our family. We're not sharing bills. We're not sharing a bedroom. And so I'm like, how do we practice commitment as single people? Yeah. So one of the things that I found um, that worked for me, and I think it may be beneficial and helpful um, for listeners, is the way that I responded or treated my time with God was the exact same way that I responded and treated the people around me that needed my sacrifice. And so if I wasn't committed to my daily regiment with God, or if I wasn't leaning into his voice, then I was a lot less um, likely to be sacrificial with understanding or with tolerance, or with um, faithfulness in other areas of my life. And even now, as a husband to Jen, I can tell when I am spending the right amount of time with God based upon my response or reaction to her, Mm. right? So if I'm quick, or if my response is wrong, then I can always pinpoint it to the lack of time that I've spent with God. This is why the way that I respond to God is the exact same way that I respond to my spouse. Mm, wow. And wow. and and my son and and the people around me. Mm. Because if I'm leaning into his voice, he's he's guiding me. He's guiding the conversation. He's guiding my life. And so as a single man, it was the same thing. When I, I found myself too busy or when I found myself unbalanced, then my conversations will look the same way. Mm. And so, um, you know, we can find that balance and we can kind of get the the pace that God desires for us to pursue um, in our relationships and in dating and in um, our marriages by spending time with Him. Yeah. It, even when you said that, what comes to mind for me is one of my business coaches actually a long time ago said, how you show up for one thing is how you show up for everything. Absolutely. So, like I hear that. And what you're saying is how I'm showing up in my time with God. Am I being faithful? Am I, do I have discipline? Am I humbling myself? That's also then how I will show up in other areas of my life. Absolutely. So we only have, we have a few minutes left. And so I kind of want to do like lightning round questions with you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So um, this is straight from the list that women send me. So one, do guys know when a girl has a crush on them? 
Absolutely. And one of the one of the indicators of that, and I, I know your listeners watch this show on Netflix, Dating Around. You know, we watch that show because we like to see people um have chemistry together. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so the show works because we can identify, oh, they have chemistry. And so, you know, uh, I think that both uh, men and women can identify when something is working and when something isn't. Mm. What if it's, I mean, I've been in the situation where I'm like, there is definitely a vibe going on here. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, hey, you know, try to put a little flirt out there. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the misread. I, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think those um, do happen. I just think sometimes it's not that there's um, not chemistry there. I just think sometimes the opposite person has options or choices that they have in the back of their mind and they're weighing, is this chemistry uh, more powerful or stronger than the other chemistry that I may be getting from somewhere else? And so, you know, that, that could also be a factor into um, the reaction that they get from your vibe and what you, what you perceive and what you're feeling. Totally. I mean, one of the hardest things one of my mentors said to me is like, that guy likes you, Catherine but he just doesn't like you enough. Right. And I think we've all experienced that. But when we feel on the receiving end of like, I thought there was something here and now I feel rejected, we internalize it, personalize it. But it's, I think like the rejection or when I don't like someone or someone doesn't like me or isn't interested, it's usually never about me. It's about that other person or maybe there's someone else that they've, they are interested in or they're interested, just not interested enough. And I feel like that's crappy when we experience that, but I feel like we've also all been there. Absolutely. And sometimes people really don't want to commit to the words that they have said they desire to commit to. They just want to experiment. And it's crappy that they experiment with other people's emotions. Mm. And so you can absolutely have world-class chemistry and they not they not be at the place in their life where they where they're ready to commit to it, and they want to continue to explore. Mm-hmm. And you know that's unfortunate, and it, it's it's scrappy because it makes you feel like, man, I I know what I felt, I know what I'm seeing, I know what I desire, and it still didn't work out the way mm-hmm. that I had hoped it to. It's real. All right, do guys develop attraction over time, or does it have to be there from the get go? I think it's both and. Mm-hmm. You know, for some guys, it's immediately. For other guys, it's over time. And like like I said before, I think sometimes you can fall into attraction with different things about a person. And sometimes mm-hmm. it takes um, time to understand the mind of a person. And that becomes what you are attracted to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that there are some people who find that the attraction is instant. And then some people who find that, man, this woman is really beautiful over time. I think that's so good because I think as women, we want to know, like, we want to crack the code. Like, what do I have to do? Like, what's the wrong answer? And there's like, it's a both and. It's a, it's a, it's like every person is different. Absolutely. Um, I think that's, I think that's good. All right. Which do you value more, respect or love? Oh, that's a great question. I think for me, I value respect. And if I was to give another word, just kind of throw in the basket, Mm -hmm. I would say above all of those, I value honor. Mm. Because if you honor me, I know that you love me. And so I, I think that respect and honor could play hand in hand. But, you know, with respect, the same thing. If you respect me, I know that you love me. Mm-hmm. because it's hard to have one without the other, you know? Yeah. And so I believe just for me personally, I would, I would rather um, honor and respect. And could you give like, what would be like an example of a woman or like, what would be an example of Jen honoring you? What does that look like? Yeah. So for me, it's just, it, it's pretty simple. 
for me, and it's just showing me how much you love. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily in words because I think we hear it so often that it becomes common. But if you put action behind it, that's the honor. That's the mm-hmm. that's the respect. It, so it's not for me, hey, clean up the house or I expect a hot meal or, you know, I want this this many times a week. It, that's not honor. That's, you know, that's action items. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, to carry it out with your life and to, to do the things that um, you put words behind. That's what honor, true honor is to me anyway. So yeah, that's so good. And to put, put me before your needs because Mm -hmm. I'm doing the same thing. Now that, that like, I feel like you hone in on that. Like what my aunt, her and my uncle have been married for a long time, almost 30 years. And I said, how have you guys stayed together so long? Like, Feel like it's such an accomplishment, especially these days. And she said, you know, every day we wake up and like our goal is to outserve the other person. Yeah, that's it. Just outserve. I want to outserve him. So I think that's awesome. Okay, last last fi- lightning round question. Um, how do I know if he likes me? Oh, that's a great question. I, I think for each relationship, it's different, but one key indicator is his willingness to make sacrifice for you. Mm. You know, that's a, that's a huge indicator. So if, if he's willing to make sacrifice for you, then that's a great sign that he really likes you. Because a lot of guys, they say that they like a woman based upon, you know, their convenience. Mm. And, you know, that's not necessarily a like, that may be a want. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that this guy is really feeling you. He's really into you when he's really willing to make sacrifice for you, whether it's a substantial time sacrifice. So he, he values his time with you above anyone else's time, or he's willing to make, you know, an investment of love into your emotional account, Mm -hmm. you know, because that, that takes a level of commitment that I think guys who aren't serious aren't willing to do. Mm -hmm. And so there is such thing as a love account that we have to invest in and we have to continue to invest in it so that my spouse can make withdrawals from it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so every single day, Jen should, be able to make a withdrawal from the love that I've invested into her life. Mm -hmm. And so you can tell when a man really is feeling you, really digging you when he's willing to make a sacrifice beyond what he wants into the areas of what he needs Mm -hmm. um, in that relationship. Mm -hmm. So like I said, it looks different for different people. So that, that sacrifice could be, you know, time. It could be, um, uh, location, it can be um, financial, it could be a number of different things, but a substantial sacrifice, like Mm -hmm. something that you know means a lot to him. If he's willing to make that for you, that is a great indicator that he is filling you and he's serious about um, committing his life to that relationship. Oh, that's good. That's good. And so important. And it, and it sounds like it, you're kind of making the distinction between a guy who's just kind of like perhaps looking for something casual or maybe isn't looking for something serious versus a guy who's like, I'm ready to, com- to commit. Like, I want to go all in. Like, the sacrifice starts showing up. Yeah, I think, you know, we have to be very careful with what we want as well. Because a lot of times we say we want to be in a relationship. Um but we're looking for something casual just mm-hmm. so that we could not feel lonely. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so if that's the case, then we can't expect someone else to make substantial st- sacrifice for us when in fact we're in this so that we could get something out of it, just not yeah. to be alone, you know? And yeah. so um, we have to make sure that our motives appear, our motives are right. And we are pursuing um, the right thing in a relationship. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, I remember feeling I was super called out. This was probably five or six years ago. I would, I was saying with my mouth and my actions, I'm looking for something serious. And a mentor was like, well, based off results, you're not mm-hmm. based off results. You're just looking for something casual. And it was offensive. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? She's like, no, you're staying out till you make out. You're, you know, dating guys casually. You're, you're just messing around. Yeah. And I'm so glad that I have someone in my life that's willing to call me on my BS. But I think what you're saying is so true. Like the indicator is like, am I willing to sacrifice? Like we can say all day long, I'm looking for something serious, but based off results, how am I spending my time? How am I spending my money? What am I willing to give up? Um, am I willing to create space in my life for another person? Um, I think our actions and that, in that case do speak louder than our words. Like what are, what are we willing to sacrifice? I feel like that's when the rubber hits the road of like, well, I don't want to give up my Monday night bachelorette night. With Absolutely. Um, so I, I think that's such good, that's such practical insight. I love that. All right. I, I am like, seriously could keep asking you a thousand questions, but I'm going to honor your time here. Um, just before we leave, if there's like one word of encouragement you could give to the single woman listening to this episode, what would that be? Yeah, it would be your worth being pursued. Mm. You know, I, I think so often it's easy to compare where you are in life to where someone else is in life. But I'm telling you, you're worth it. Like you are God's gift to the world. And, you know, the Bible says when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. You are someone's good thing. And so you just need to be encouraged by that. You're worth it. And you don't need to worry. God is building and making your man. And sometimes um, it takes time to make something that is good. And anything that comes into your life prematurely arrives too small. Mm. So just be patient. Know that the wait will be worth it. And God has his perfect plan for your life that he's building mm. out for you. Well, that's mic drop right there. <laughs> that's so good. Thank you, Tim, so much for sharing your heart, your story, your insight. Um, I'm just grateful to have you and Jen in my life and just grateful for your leadership. So thanks for sharing everything with my people. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Kat. It was so much fun. Honored to be on it. Yeah. And if there's any way people can follow along with what you're up to, your ministry, um, what would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, You can check out my website at timtimberlake.tv or follow me on Instagram at ttimberlake or Twitter at timtimberlake. Either one of those platforms, you can get a bird's eye view into my life. Amazing. Well, again, thanks so much. And I hope to see you guys soon. Me too. I'm looking forward to it, Kat. Awesome. Okay. Chat soon. Bye-bye. I love Tim Timberlake's heart, how honest he is, how much nuance and grace he offers to a lot of these questions. And I particularly like his response to how do I know if a guy likes me? He just plainly puts it. If he's into you, you'll know it. And honestly, in most of my experiences, that's what's happened. If a guy has liked me, he has let me know. He has asked me out. He has put himself in my sphere and I have known. However, I know that that is not everyone's experience. And on the other hand, I've also had confusing scenarios with guys where I don't know where I stand. I saw a funny meme on Instagram and it said, if he's into you, you'll know it. If he's not, you'll just be confused. If there's confusion, it means there's no clarity and you don't wanna be with a person that is not clear about where you stand with him. By now, in this series, you've heard from seven different men that are answering a lot of the same questions. And if you've listened to all seven episodes, you know that all these guys are not only legit and have incredible things to say, but they also have different perspectives on dating and singleness and how to flirt and can guys and girls be just friends. And 
Like Tim says, if he likes you, you'll know. Jamal Miller on the first episode of the That's What He Said series says, you might not know because he might be nervous, so don't be afraid to throw him a bone. All of this to say is there's no formula. There's no 10-step guide to knowing how to date perfectly, how to be single perfectly. So in all of that, if you lack clarity and don't know where you stand with a guy, just ask him. Here's how I do it. I say, hey, I've really been enjoying hanging out with you and I've kind of realized I like you. I have a little crush on you and I would love to see where you're at. That creates an atmosphere of vulnerability instead of demanding, you're being confusing. Where do we stand? What's going on? No, I led with vulnerability and said, I like you. I want to see where you're at. That creates a safe place for the other person to be honest and vulnerable too. All right. Now, next week is our final episode of the That's What He Said series. I really, really hope you've enjoyed it. It's been so much fun to go back through the archives of some of my personal favorite Refined Collective podcast interviews and conversations. And I wanted to switch gears a little bit on this last conversation. Instead of having someone talking about dating, there's one thing in this dating conversation and in all these episodes that we haven't really talked about and that's sex. Sex is a huge part of relationships and we need to talk about it. And I have pastor of Church of the City, New York City, John Tyson, who also happens to be my pastor. And I adore his wisdom. He has so many incredible things to say. And if you grew up in the purity movement like I did, you were probably given a lot of rules about sex, but not a lot of sexual formation. And formation and worldview is exactly what Pastor John Tyson is all about. In our conversation, he impacts Jesus and sex, how to have a biblical worldview on sex and desire in a culture filled with compromise. You are not gonna wanna miss this conversation conversation. So be sure you're subscribed on iTunes so that when it hits live next week, it'll go straight to your device. Now, if you have any specific questions or thoughts on today's episode with Tim Timberlake, hop on over to Instagram at The Refined Woman. I would love to chat with you. All right. See you next week.